Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, whatever time you may be listening to this. We welcome you to episode number five of the fifth season of the City Diplomacy Student Podcast. This season's main topic is the added value of international city networks, and today's episode examines the city network called Mayors for Peace. Your hosts for and authors of this episode are Paulina Haupt and Lina Genun. We're master's students at the Sciences Po Paris School of International Affairs, and in this 2023 spring semester, we are learning about the influence of cities and city networks on the international stage in Professor Lorenzo Kilgringrandi's course on city diplomacy. Now, during our research for this podcast episode, Lina and I actually reached out to the Mayors for Peace Secretariat to ask if we could interview someone and ask the questions to which we could not find answers online. The secretary got back to us and put us in touch with Lorena Schlicht, who works as a coordinator and development officer for Mayors for Peace France. We spoke to Lorena to ask her some of our most burning questions and have included some of her answers in this episode. I want to thank you, Lorena, now for your time and contributions to this podcast. Without further ado, let's now jump into it. Okay, Lina, why don't you kick us off with some key information about Mayors for Peace? What are the origins and goals of the network? What does its membership and geographical balance look like? And how is it governed? Absolutely. So, Mayors for Peace was formed as a reaction to the 1945 dropping of atomic bombs on the cities of Hiroshima and Nagasaki. And it is during the second UN special session on disarmament back at the UN headquarters in New York that then-Mayor Takeshi Araki of Hiroshima called upon cities around the world to unite across national borders in the fight for the prohibition of nuclear weapons. And the idea was to create a counterbalance to the states who were unsuccessful at nuclear disarmament. And so the cities of Hiroshima and Nagasaki created the so-called World Conference of Mayors for Peace through intercity solidarity, now known as Mayors for Peace, which was made up of mayors who officially endorsed this goal. And the first conference took place in Tahun in 1985, and six years later, the network was officially registered as a non-governmental organization with special consultative status with the UN Economic and Social Council. And when it comes to the network's mission, Article 1 of the Founding Covenant states that Mayors for Peace aims, I quote, to contribute to the attainment of lasting world peace by raising concern among citizens of the world for the total abolition of nuclear weapons to close solidarity among member cities, as well as by striving to solve vital problems for the human race, such as starvation and poverty, the plight of refugees, human rights abuses, and environmental degradation. And during our interview with Lorena, she told us a little bit more about Mayors for Peace mission. Uh, we are far from speeches or rhetoric, we are in the concrete with an effective and st sustainable human relationship. Uh, so in any case, peace for us is not understood as a symbol, but as a, as a construction and as an active and living process. Uh, so it is in this spirit that we try to give the keys to understand global issue, uh, the issue of the culture of peace, disarmament, sustainable development to elected officials, to mayors, and in order to implement in local action Uh, some program. And so member cities, also called solidarity cities, are expected to help raise global awareness of the spirit of Hiroshima and Nagasaki by promoting the concept of inter-city solidarity to working towards three main objectives. The first objective is to realize a world without nuclear weapons. 
And then the second one is to realize safe and resilient cities, which includes um, to try to address issues that might be distinctive to each member city's region and threaten peaceful coexistence as well, such as refugee rights, food security, poverty, and the climate crisis. And then the third objective is to promote a culture of peace. Then, in terms of membership, as of March 1st, 2023, Mayors for Peace counts 8,240 member cities in 166 countries and region. The large majority of member cities are found in Asia and Europe, over 3,290, followed by Latin America and the Caribbean with 742, Africa with 437, North America 336, and Oceania with 135. And then the top 10 countries in terms of member cities are Japan, Iran, Germany, Italy, Spain, Belgium, France, Netherlands, Nicaragua, and the U.S. Okay, so these are impressive numbers, but how is Mayors for Peace actually run, governed, organized? Well, the network comprises so-called executive officials, which include one president city, Hiroshima, 11 vice president cities, led by Nagasaki, and nine executive cities. The president, elected by all solidarity cities, supervises and represents the network, manages its conference, and appoints executive members, who assist the president and vice president in managing the network, bearing in mind regional balance. Then, the vice president, also elected by the solidarity cities, supports the president and can represent the president in office duties. The term of office of this executive official is four years, until the next general conference, and all opposition can be re-elected. While the general conference is there for solidarity cities to debate and adopt agenda items, the executive conference is where future initiatives and plans are being discussed every two years, and decisions taken by the conferences follow the simple one-city, one-vote principle. The Hiroshima Peace Culture Foundation acts as the network's secretariat and comprises a secretary-general under secretary-general and support staff. And so if I were a mayor, how exactly would I go about becoming a member of Mayors for Peace? The registration process is actually super simple. There is a short online form that can be found on the network's website, which you, as a mayor, would have to fill in to formally express, I quote, support for the abolition of nuclear weapons and the desire to join Mayors for Peace. There is a membership fee of 2,000 yen per year, which amounts to 13.82 euros. However, cities can be exempt from payment if they request to do so. Okay, now we've heard about the network's origins, goals, membership, and governance, but what is it that Mayors for Peace actually does? What is its impact? Where does its strengths and weaknesses lie? And what can we say about coming opportunities and overall trends? Okay, so with regard to the main activities, in order to promote the idea of intercity solidarity, Mayors for Peace engages in a range of different activities. This includes making appeals to the United Nations and national governments for the total abolition of nuclear weapons and complete disarmament. But the network's special consultative status with the UN Economic and Social Council also becomes relevant here, as well as advocacy work that the network carries out to the president of the UN General Assembly during UN Disarmament Week. Apart from this advocacy work, the network also tries to cultivate a peace consciousness through local initiatives, art exhibitions, and workshops focusing on disarmament, security, peace, human rights issues, but also for remembrance of the devastations caused by the atomic bombs dropped on Hiroshima and Nagasaki. And this, for example, is being done through hearing the testimonies of atomic bomb survivors, also called hibakushas, and planting seeds from hibaku trees, so the trees from survivors. 
The network also values the role of youth leadership in promoting peace, which is why they offer youth exchanges, education initiatives to share good practices, deliver peace courses, and you can even do internships with them. The network also engages in political work by issuing joint statements and appeals, such as on Ukraine on February 14th this year, whereby Mayors for Peace launched a joint appeal on the invasion of Ukraine entitled What Must Be Done to Prevent a Third Nuclear Attack. In the appeal, the network expresses its grave concern for the immeasurable suffering of the war, offering condolences to the victims and condemning the Russian aggression, which creates an imminent threat of a nuclear war and supports the dangerous theory of nuclear deterrence aimed at justifying the existence of nuclear weapons. Now let's examine one concrete example in terms of weaknesses and strengths. So Mayors for Peace ran a large and long campaign called the 2020 Vision Campaign, which was initiated in 2003 and pushed for a nuclear weapon-free world by 2020. The first of the objectives of the campaign was for the review conference of the 1968 Treaty on the Non-Proliferation of Nuclear Weapons to adopt a so-called Hiroshima-Nagasaki Protocol. And this protocol was intended to serve as a protocol to the treaty to push national governments to deliver on their commitments made under Article 6 of the treaty specifically, which asks parties to engage in negotiations in good faith on effective measures relating to the cessation of nuclear arms race at an early date and to nuclear disarmament, as well as to work towards a treaty on general and complete disarmament under strict and effective international control. The network addressed mayors and other decision makers and elective officials across the globe to unite behind their proposed protocol and then utilized the NPT review conferences in 2010 and the ones that followed at the UN headquarters in New York to pressure the international community to act. Now, although the protocol gained significant momentum, it was not adopted at any of the review conferences. However, the network was also heavily involved in the process that led to the 2017 Treaty on the Prohibition of Nuclear Weapons, which is the first legally binding agreement to prohibit nuclear weapons. Currently, the treaty has 68 state parties. And in our interview with Lorena, she told us... This treaty is complementary to the nuclear non proliferation treaty and uh, it is kind of more than a symbol it is a, a really important step towards global disarmament and in long term will tend to reverse the systemic trend using armed force by using diplomacy and cooperation so although the treaty certainly helps to further stigmatize nuclear weapons and is legally binding it only binds contracting parties, which don't include the nuclear armed states. And for this reason, the network itself remains skeptical vis-a-vis -vis the achievement of the global abolition of nuclear weapons in the near future. So what happened after the campaign? After this more or less successful 2020 campaign, the network has shifted its, its attention to getting the numbers by further expanding its membership, launching a sort of campaign to reach 10,000 member cities. So currently they are at 8,240 member cities and seeing as becoming a member is relatively easy and the membership fees are quite low, they might very well reach this target. Just to add, however, that the country chapters of the network can also decide on different fees as we learn from Lorena. So the French chapter, for example, determined way higher membership fees and contributions. 
Now, while uniting 10,000 cities for one cause is a strong argument in terms of numbers, the question is whether this argument actually remains symbolic. Being a mayor for peace is relatively easy to do and provides you with good optics, raising concerns over opportunistic membership and quantity over quality. And this is actually a subject we touch upon during our interview with Lorena. Yeah, it is also one of our challenge because there's uh, many cities that, yeah, they they just become members uh, easily, but they don't really take action. Now, in an attempt to broaden membership and support, Masterpiece also expanded the range of topics it focuses on, introducing two more pillars of action. The first one, Realizing Safe and Resilient Cities, is aimed at addressing local issues that are distinctive to the member city's context. The second one, Promoting a Culture of Peace, is supposed to cultivate peace consciousness through youth programs and other ways of activating civil society. While moving away from the single issue of nuclear disarmament can attract new members and broaden the network's membership, expanding the areas of intervention can at times also dilute or weaken the core cause of the network. To sum it up, the network's strengths lie in its large membership and geographical diversity. Mobilizing power, seeing as it has grown from 554 member cities in 2003, when the vision was announced, to 7,974 member cities in 2020, when the vision campaign came to an end. But also in its role as a recognized advocacy actor appealing to the UN and national governments. The other element is clearly the development of a huge network, with the membership of a large number of cities in the world. This consolidates the legitimacy of mayors for peace commitment and advocacy. Even Antonio Guterres, the UN Secretary-General himself, publicly acknowledged the importance of Mayors for Peace in promoting peace. Dear friends, let me begin by thanking Mayors for Peace for your leadership and strong voice to move us closer to a nuclear weapon-free world. There is no more appropriate place to mark your anniversary than in Hiroshima, and no better time to reiterate the importance of peace. Divisions and conflicts are multiplying. Nuclear risks are accelerating. The world is in danger of forgetting the fiery lessons of Hiroshima and Nagasaki. But we cannot give up. I urge all countries to use the tools of diplomacy, dialogue and negotiation to eliminate the nuclear threat once and for all. And I urge you to step up your action. More than ever, we need all partners across every walk of life demanding an end to the proliferation of these devices of death. Nuclear disarmament is not some utopian dream. It is the only pathway to a peaceful future. The United Nations is proud to walk this path with you. Eliminating nuclear weapons will be the greatest gift we could bestow to future generations. Let's make it happen. Lorena also expanded on this acknowledgement of mayors for peace by the UN. And I will mention, uh, I will call uh, Ban Ki-moon, uh, the previous secretary general of the UN, Uh, who acknowledged the fact uh, during his address to Mayors for Peace on the 2010 at the UN headquarters in New York, that building a more peaceful world <clears throat> does not start in meeting rooms in New York or Geneva. It starts from the ground up in neighborhoods, in communities. It starts with enlightened leaders in cities and towns around the world. It starts with you. The UN is therefore a privileged interlocutor and with whom I think the relationship will get stronger in the future. Lastly, the strong moral argument of nuclear abolition and victim-centered approach, including remembrance and testimony, provide the network with personal roots and relevance. 
The core weaknesses, on the other hand, can be found in the non-binding character of the network. Similar to other international city networks, the tension between quantity and quality linked to the potential of opportunistic membership and symbolic politics. And another weakness lies in the tensions with some cities and countries with nuclear power, including France, who are against the idea of destroying nuclear weapons because they serve as deterrents or warheads. Then, of course, Mayors for Peace still has to face ongoing challenges. Lorena highlighted that uh, I would say that our greatest challenge are clearly to the refusal of government possessing nuclear weapons, such as France, as I mentioned, for political and economical reasons, uh, to consider disarmament and even thought it was part of their commitment in the non-proliferation treaty. And on the other hand, they are kind of uh, taboo, uh, the opacity and the culture of secrecy that surrounded nuclear weapons by government in the media and in a huge part of the research field influenced by military funding. So this prevents a real informed debate for citizens who should be able to choose what kind of national defense and military arsenal they want, and which marks a denial of democracy. And more generally, I think that Mayors for Peace has little visibility amongst the general public uh, because it has been limited to the networks of cities and local elected officials. And also the issue of Hiroshima and Nagasaki has not uh, been the same impact in Japan or in other parts of the world, like in France, for example, because we have different history. So the network still has to find a way around the taboo and culture of secrecy surrounding the topic of nuclear weapons, while making sure that the different historical contexts and set of values are taken into account when advocating for peace and putting forward statements. So we can now conclude that Mayors for Peace Impact takes many different forms. Its activities and advocacy initiatives are very much decentralized and aim to promote the culture of peace while providing an important space for members and survivors. Its impact in terms of centralized action has been more limited, as it was shown with the 2020 Vision campaign. But the growing number of members adds to the legitimacy of the network and adds to the scope of its impact and advocacy activities. The issues of quality versus quantity and opportunistic memberships remain, but Lorena explained that even though some cities became members in a more symbolic way, without necessarily taking a lot of action at the local scale, having them as members is nevertheless instrumental in attracting other cities and ultimately made the network stronger. In terms of expected evolution, Lorena insisted on Mayors for Peace drive to propose new projects and appeal to the general public. Uh, however, uh, despite our limited human and financial resources, we evolved each year with new ambition and new projects for peace, englobing other part of uh, peace issues such as violence, war issue, human rights, sustainable development issue, which means that we are reaching more and more cities, but also the general public. We can therefore expect the network to persevere despite some of the challenges it is facing and engage in an effort to put forward new strategies in the goal of attracting a broader community. Now, let's conclude this podcast with a statement made by Lorena, reminding us of the importance of having a network like Mayors for Peace today. This was not part of the interview, but she did communicate this during our exchanges, and she wrote, Today, the risk of nuclear weapon war has not disappeared, and, on the contrary, continues to grow, reminding us of the title of philosopher Gute Anders' advocacy book, Hiroshima is everywhere. Will Nagasaki be the last city to suffer the horrid devastation of such a weapon? We will let you reflect on that quote. And in the meantime, thank you for listening. Thanks to Lorena one more time and have a good day.